Welcome to part three of the marketing special and super excited to welcome Chris and Zoe to the podcast. I'll start with you, Zoe. Why don't you go ahead and do a brief intro and kind of describe your origin story and how you kind of made it into marketing? Yeah. So my name is Zoe Hartsfield. I like to say that I'm the junior head of marketing at Swan Tide. I don't know why I like to say that other than the fact that it's like I'm a team of one. So what am I really head of? Um, but it's been a really fun and amazing opportunity to get to kind of like own the whole marketing function. I got my start as a salesperson, uh, moved into marketing and kind of worked my way up over the last three years since I graduated college. And um, I'm just like very passionate about like marketing and personal brand and just like helping companies tell their story. So I feel really lucky to be in the seat that I'm in. Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. And I'll switch over to you, Chris, who had a similar uh, kind of foray as we were talking into, into marketing. But go ahead and introduce yourself, Chris. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Chris Cunningham, one of the founding members of ClickUp. And yeah, just similar to Zoe, I started in sales. I was at a small company or was a small company. I joined a very large company now, Cvent. That's where I got my career started. Um, and then after that, I went to work with our founder, Zeb, on a social media marketing company. We grew that to a little bit. And then um, we decided we want to do something different and kind of save the world some time and make them more productive. So we moved over to ClickUp. I was a first sales rep, a first customer service rep. Um, did that for a while. And then now I've moved over into marketing and I do a lot of branding. I run our social media and I do influencer marketing, which is why I already know Zoe, because I hire and work with really good influencers who have a reach. Awesome. Well, excited for the conversation today. I think you both have super interesting stories. I'd love to uh, understand maybe with you, Chris, and then back over to you, Zoe. Kind of talk. You talked a little bit about that transition from you know sales to marketing. Uh, you know, maybe maybe talk to listeners a little bit about how you did that, what what transpired, and um, you know if anybody's else, you know, any any thoughts on if anybody else is trying to make that journey. Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. I love the world of sales. Like, I still love. I still feel like I'm driving sales just in a different way. Um, but with ClickUp. I mean, I was taking every single call. I was our only sales rep and the company grew faster than we could have expected. So as I was happening, I was also, you know, the main customer service rep. So as I'm closing these deals and as we're promising a lot of features to come out and, you know, we're being very aggressive because we wanted to, to stand out in a big space with Asana, with Trello, with other major competitors. Um, you know, a lot of times things weren't perfect. So I was closing these deals, but also dealing on the back end while trying to close more deals. So I think after like, Four years of that, um, I knew I want to try something new. And I also knew that ClickUp was growing. We need a, a, a VP of sales who had probably been at a, a massive company, and that was not me. So, um, you know, luckily, Zeb and I are close friends, have been together for a while. And I said, like, hey, look, man, you're going to need to find a VP of sales. I think I want to do more marketing. I'm more interested in that. So the transition was quite smooth. And, and during the time, even if it was just four of us, we were also doing sales. Like once a week, I was still writing a blog post. Once a week, I was still trying to create some clever video that was hoping it would go viral. Um, so we were all doing marketing in some way, shape, or form. So it's kind of a smooth transition. I just had the most fun doing it, and I wanted to keep having fun. So easy transition for me. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah, no, I really like that. I feel like I had like kind of a similar sort of foray into, into marketing. I was a business development rep, and I found that I loved writing email copy. I loved like testing sequences. I was social selling more than I was like booking meetings on cold calls. And I was like, you know, I kind of have like a knack for this writing thing. And I never thought of myself as a writer. Like in school, my teachers were like, you're a moron. You can't write. And I just thought that was like, I don't know. I thought that was like my lot in life. Like I wasn't a good writer. And I found that just, I wasn't a good long form paper writer. I'm a pretty good, like quippy, choppy 
sales copy writer. And so like moving into marketing was actually kind of a seamless transition for business development because I was writing all my sequences. I was writing social media content. I was helping out the marketing team with their social. And then now kind of similar to Chris, like in a small company, you're kind of doing everything. So I meet with the sales team every single day. I'm on all the sales calls. I hang out with CS all the time because I want to understand like end to end the problem we solve for our customer. Um, but also like I own partnerships and partnerships is just like one layer removed from sales anyway. So I have to be able to sell our product as well. Uh, and so that background in sales really, I think makes me a stronger marketer, but more so just like a good utility player at a company this small, I think similar to Chris, you know, if we were to scale to be 10, 15 X our size, I probably would not make a very good VP of sales, like, but I can definitely hack it in this small space where we're just like doing deals, building relationships uh, and teaching people how to use a great product. How wild is that? I never knew you weren't known as a writer because that is what that's what everybody know knows me as now. Like, <laughs> well, okay. I'm not good at writing like a 35 page, you know, sure, paper sure. on like a SWOT analysis of Ford Motor Company. I think that was like my capstone you project. You got the social writing down. <laughs> Social's good. Yeah. Short, short copy. I'm good. Yeah. No, that, for, for, for all those people out there, the teacher said that they're not good writers, right? You're, you're, you're still, you're still going to be able to be out there and be, you know, excellent, at least in this, you know, VC back startup game, right? Um, no, that's, that, that's really interesting, um, insight. Cause I think that the experimentation, especially when you're at a certain stage, whether it's seed to series A or even kind of, you know, A, A and B, right? You really play all of those different, um, hats, um, even into the product, right? Which I think is also important too, cause you kind of know the limitations. You understand the tech side too, whether your sales or marketing. So, um, switching gears a little bit. So we do. Um, is we're going to have a little bit of a remix here. So, you know, I kind of focus on the digital health. So we do a uh, patient impact story, right? So we're going to switch it up and just kind of call it a little bit end user impact, right? So when you think about whether it's your sales or marketing, what's maybe a story you draw to that had kind of the biggest impact on, you know, the customer, right? Or the end user um, and maybe start with, uh, with with you, Chris, if you can draw on any others. I know. Uh, a big story of us in the early days, we were extremely scrapped. I mean, very scrappy. We were again fighting and trying to get any lead we could and get any attention. Um, what we did was I was in every Facebook group. Uh, and we also built this tool that would show whenever someone left a negative review, like a competitor, uh, I would get an automatic notification. I would try to find them up and, in and hit them up and say, hey, I understand why you had this issue with XYZ. It's why we built ClickUp. Uh, but there was this one tool called Product T. And Product T was going out of business. And with going out of business, they weren't going to build an export for any of their customers, meaning that all their customers, all their work, their whole lives, their whole company's work is in this tool, productive, and no one's going to be able to get it out. So they were going to lose everything they had. And they were freaking out in the Facebook groups. We are getting all the reviews popping up. And I'm like, oh, we got to jump on this. So, I mean, there we were eating like, it was like vegan Chinese food in San Francisco. And we were like, we can probably pull this off, this export, because they had like three weeks until they closed it down and everyone lost their job. So our CTO, who's an absolute genius, Alex Rakowski, just went to work and Zeb was like, whatever you need, we'll help you with this. And within like, I think it was like a week or so, he built the, the, the export. And so we were able to, we were only a decent, you know, a, I don't know, we, we weren't very big. We only made eight employees at that time. So we were able to do that export. And then as we did, everyone from productivity moved over to ClickUp. We, we automatically defaulting up all of their customers. So from there, I mean, I remember I had to hire customer service reps. Like we, we all of a sudden jumped up a little bit in, in revenue and, and needs. It was, it was a huge thing we did for the customers. They loved us forever. So many of them are still with ClickUp and, and praise us because they didn't lose their work. So something cool that we did that stood out, I think it's crappy and the customers still love us. 
That's so cool. I love that. that. Yeah. That's like really good. Like, I love that play too. I feel like we're doing something similar, like kind of similar story. We, we spend a lot of time in communities and by we, I mean like me and the two sales reps who work at our company. It's like just us trolling communities at all time. But we have like a very strict, as many communities do, like no pitch, no sell policy, like internally the community playbook that I wrote for our team and that every future rep will be trained on. It's like, you do not pitch. We do not come in hot with our product. We are helpful. We are uh, educated on the problem. um, And we're nice to talk to. That's like who we want to be in those communities. And so recently, actually, there was somebody in the community who was just like, hey, thinking about onboarding a CRM, I'm trying to decide between Salesforce and HubSpot. Reality is our tool is an automated way to implement and configure both of those tools. So instead of having to have somebody go in and manually build it, we've automated all the best practices. You can now one-click implement Salesforce or one-click implement HubSpot, um, whereas before it could have taken weeks to even months to build out somebody's oh. instance. It's crazy. Um, and so this guy For is years. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, people, I mean, you're, you're <laughs> always, <laughs> you're always configuring and like we help with the management of that too. But like the biggest pain people find is just like that getting started. Like usually you get a CRM because you've maxed out whatever spreadsheet system you're trying to do uh, and it's not working for you anymore. And so there's like a lot of like urgency, right? And the time to value is just slow with that. So the fact that we have something that can be set up in a matter of like minutes is pretty crazy. But first of all, this guy was like, do I want Salesforce or HubSpot? And everybody's going in like being super duper like HubSpot is cheaper, HubSpot is cheaper, whatever. And I read his actual description of what his company was. And I'm like, this guy's company is huge. Like I did the research on it and I was like, you actually want to go on Salesforce. I know it's going to be more of like a spend up front, but like the cost you'll spend to switch from HubSpot to Salesforce inevitably in the near future because of how big you are. They're a Series C company working off of spreadsheets. Like, it's insane. And so I was like, you, you have to go Salesforce. I was like, as long as you have a good implementation partner. And he was like, and I didn't say we were one. He was just like, okay, I'm sold. Do you have one that you wreck? And so I had my AE DM him and, you know, close one in two weeks. Like, it was just one of those things where it's like, we were helpful first before we were ever like asking for everything. I think it's like give before you get. And when you approach those communities or you're scrappy, like some of Chris's plays, right? Like you guys were so helpful to those people who were about to lose all of their product manager or project management. Like that would have been insane. I can't even imagine. I, as somebody who uses ClickUp, if I lost my ClickUp tomorrow and you guys hadn't have something for me to like export it, I would, I would lose my mind. Like what would I even we do? Would never. You would never, you would never. Cause ClickUp's to too amazing. <laughs> Yeah, but it's crazy to think about. It's crazy. They, they literally easily, I mean, they were going to do that to them. But you're so right. Like, Zoe, I think so many people, I don't, almost don't want everyone to know because we're winning for doing it. But that value base is it. Just help people, man. It's almost more fun anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Giving away, giving, giving, giving away all the secrets. But I, I really like that, right? Because there's so many, you know, sales communities. So I think, you know, as we brought on both sales and marketing, all these different people, the power of community uh, has been mentioned many times on this podcast, but also too, it's, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Of being able to add value. And I think the majority of people do, right? But I think if you're out there and I, I highly recommend uh, being able to add that value first before you even, you know, before you even mention you, your company, right? And uh, sometimes that can get mixed up in the in the networking blitz. Um, so uh, switching up a little bit gears, and I'm sure you guys have some interesting stories, but uh, we, we're going to do a top and bottom. So the goal here is to focus on some stories, right? You guys both kind of, you know, 
both play in sales and marketing, but focus on, you know, the best and worst kind of collaboration between marketing and sales and any of those, um, you know, stories that you've seen, uh, with ClickUp or others, right? So we've had some quite some funny, uh, funny, funny examples here, but maybe I'll start with you, Zoe, if you could think of any, um, you know, best and worst type stories on sales and marketing collab. Yeah. Best and worst. Okay. So best, like we call it the layup. And I mean, I kind of just explained it, but it's sort of like a community play where like I go in as like the helpful expert. And when somebody gives a buying signal, I ping my AE who comes in and is like doubles down on the helpfulness. We're both on the same team. They can see that we work for the right company. We offer something like a strategy session. Like we're not even like, we don't even want to demo your product. We just want to take a look at your instance and see like, can we even help? And if we can, we'll make a recommendation. If you go with us, great. And if you go with somebody else, good luck to you. We'll part ways as friends. But like, we love that layup play because it's just like, we're kind of all looking at all times. And instead of it feeling like I'm just a shark trying to get your business, it's like a one-two punch. And it usually ends up being really helpful. So we do that all the time. As far as a low, I can think of like a previous company I worked at where like no shade to the company, but the product just like wasn't there yet. Like we were really selling the roadmap as it were. Um, and so we would market certain features only for me to find out that like they weren't live yet. And we would sign deals and people would be like, great, when can we onboard this? And they're like, oh, in like three months when it's built. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I wrote an entire blog on this like topic that does it. It's not real yet. And so like that was pretty disastrous because then sales would come for me and be like, oh, my God, why would you like tell me I could sell this feature? And I was like, I don't know. We couldn't sell this feature. So stuff like that. Nothing like super specific comes to mind, but I've had a few of those. Oh, no, did we lose Josh? for me. Um... I think the worst, one of the worst was also the prior company. And I made sure that as, as ClickUp grew, because I've I seen this mistake, it's kind of similar to, to what Zoe's talking about. It is, it is, if, if marketing and sales aren't cool, like I'm so glad that you go into your meetings, Zoe, and hang with your salespeople and your CS people, because if they're not cool, it is bad. Like it's, it, and at, at my old comp, at one of my old companies, I won't say who either, but sales and marketing just hated each other. I mean, there was more, you know, you see some of the funny like content videos about it. We, we've made videos about it. Um, you know, like it, sometimes they just hate each other, they don't communicate. And so we wrote out this campaign that wasn't set up at all for sales to be ready for and jump on. Um, and, it, and it just, it ended up being a nightmare. Something else I can speak about, so I don't just also do another company. With with ClickUp, one time we, for marketing, we didn't really let sales know before. We made this, um, I, lo- I love music. We dropped an album for ClickUp and it, it, it's actually doing well. It's got a million streams. But uh, before this, I had this idea to do like, uh, like sales versus marketing rap battle. Right. So it's like, it was the same artist we have that works at ClickUp and I should find the content. I think it's still really good, but we made this one and it was a little harsh, you know, like, but it was like, it was more to be funny. And it was more going in like, um, it was like dear sales team, you know, like, I hope, I hope you forget every lead and da da da. You know, I hope like it was like the Eminem dear, whatever the song is. I'm, I'm blanking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was like that, that beat and that other thing. And then sales was just kind of like, whoa, like, are y'all is marketing attacking us right now? Like, no, no, it's just, just funny. It's just a joke. So we had to like, redo it and make it a little more like calm and, and not look like that. Some of the best moments, I think they're like, what's a, a consistent one for us is we're building like internal and we're trying to build internal Zoe's basically like internal influencers. I'm trying to become one. Melissa Rosenthal is crushing it. Um, Guarav is doing really well on Twitter and we make sure that our sales reps are watching it when one post is doing really well and be like, Oh, I would love to check out your platform. We have everyone jumping on it. Sometimes it's just a little fight over what BD gets to, to jump on the lead. But, um, 
it's it's been great. Um, so I think that that's kind of our, our best strategy through that has been uh, just having really good engaging posts that again that are value based that are we're not saying hey you should use ClickUp but we're saying hey here's maybe 125 prompts for ChatGPT which is all the rave right now or whatever's mm-hmm. hot in social media we'll jump on and we'll add a, a value based doc or something like that and then when people want to use ClickUp or come into it to there then we'll have reps reach out. Yeah, no, really like that. I mean, the layup play, I'm all about some uh, basketball, you know, re- references. Zoe, so I, I, re- I really like that. And, um, but, but you believe it or not, I mean, I, I do think that some, you know, business development reps and sales works that way, but I, I don't often actually see marketing, um, kind of refer to it as that close, right? As the layup play. Um, so I really like what you outlined there. Cause I think there's a lot of room for opportunity in a lot of different industries and companies to, to truly do that. Cause I see that with BDRs and sales sometimes and they, they can work together, but it's, it's harder. I see it less in, um, in, in sales to marketing. It's just like, I think. I think people have it backwards, like as if we aren't on the same team, but it's all go to market, right? Like we're all, the goal is revenue. And I think that's actually something that has really helped me is I've been really lucky on my last two teams to be tied to a revenue number, not to an MQL number, not to a lead number. It's like, I am responsible for pipeline and revenue, not just like how many people raise their hand or click a link or like do whatever, because I think that's where there drives tension. Sales is like, these leads are terrible. Because marketing has been benchmarked against something like two layers removed from what sales has. And so when we're all charging towards the same goal, I find that alignment is like, it's a no brainer versus me being like, well, I gave you your thousand leads. And they're like, yeah, but 999 of them are garbage. Like that's, that's where the tension comes in. So I think when you've got that alignment and one thing that has helped with that alignment is having the same end goal, being a revenue marketer. It really, really helps alleviate the tension. Yeah, revenue being key. So outside of revenue, because uh, it's a perfect segue um, into what we we're going to, you know, kind of talk about next. Um, outside of revenue, what are some of those metrics that that are maybe those secondary, or you guys kind of guide you, um, starting with you, Zoe, day to day. Yeah. So, I mean, like for me, some of it's kind of qualitative. It's like, how often are people saying they've heard of us before? They, you know, get on a call or like when somebody books a meeting, they're like, and we're like, hey, like, have you ever heard the name Swan Tide before? Even if, even if it was an outbound, they're like, oh yeah, I heard your CEO on a podcast, right? I think I saw your head of marketing on LinkedIn or something like that. Like, can we just make it a smidge warmer for sales? Like I can't, it's so funny. I was actually just a um, SFO uh, flying to Dallas and I saw a click up like ad on like, I don't know, some sort of banner thing. And I was just like, yep, like you can't go anywhere without seeing ClickUp. Even if I didn't know what ClickUp was, if somebody from ClickUp cold called me tomorrow, I'd be like, why does that sound so familiar? Like it's an easier conversation to say yes to when there's brand awareness. So I think brand awareness is something that's like a little more nebulous, but it's definitely something I am looking for, um, as well as like, I'm checking the blog and I'm looking at like the content that's being downloaded the most. I'm looking at things like pipeline velocity. Like when I send a sales rep, uh, a new piece of content, or he's like, Hey, can we create something that goes like this? Can we shorten sales cycles? Like those are other things that I'm looking at as well. But like more than anything, we're looking at revenue, um, source or revenue influence from marketing. And then everything else is just like, is it making sales easier? Wow, preach! Yeah, all all of that. Uh, yeah, so over to over over to you, Chris, because uh, I'm yeah, sure you guys man, do a great job it. with this. Um, the the look, the number one metric for me is impressions, just because 
for, I, I'm so blessed that like, you know, our product is something I can bring you to, right? So I, I have it a little easier than, than a lot of others is because I can, I can give you a, a doc or I can give you a whiteboard. You know, I can, I can give you different things to get you on ClickUp. So but my big thing is, is more or less impressions. Um, but secondly, same as she said, like there's a reason why we have these billboards and, and, you know, a lot of people said it was very dumb at the beginning, but I'll tell you what, like there's, there's so many clients that have come back to us and said like, uh, or so many sales reps came back and like, oh, thank goodness you had that billboard. That's how they've heard of us. It made the cold call easier. I remember I was trying to get a very large uh, influencer one time and I was like, I'll probably never get to get this guy, but I just cold emailed him. And he was like, yeah, I see your billboards over in New York. I'll take a call because I want to know, you know, who the hell you are. He's like, I keep seeing you. I'm, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost annoyed. So, you know, I, I, brand awareness and impressions are just huge for me because uh, the more people that get on to ClickUp, they'll soon see, you know, everything else we have. And again, I, I like them going on to ClickUp to get value out of it because they're like, oh, this, this helped me. Or I see someone like, like Zoe using it, or I got a resource from someone who I learn from every day and it's on ClickUp. So it's, it's more or less, I want to get them on there. And then as someone, as our sales reps come in, they're like, okay, I've tried it or I've heard of it. ClickUp is especially unique in that way too, because it is PLG. Like I had somebody recently, they, I saw them post on LinkedIn. Um, I think his name is Sterling. And he was like, He's like, have you tried ClickUp lately? I saw a post from Zoe the other day and I went and checked out a doc she shared and now I'm using the product. And like, that was the first time I saw like end to end something I'd shared about ClickUp and somebody then like became a user of it. But it's, it's so cool how your product is the vehicle to get value to people. Like that's really unique. And so like, I think that's so cool that you are all providing and like prioritizing value add content because it's just like, a slam dunk when somebody comes in and they're like, wow, I can see this whiteboard. Wait, what the heck is this built on? Wow. What is this doc built on? Wait, this project plan, like this template, this framework, whatever, like they can see it and they can touch it and they can interact with it. And then they can just jump into it. Like there's very low barrier to entry for people. Um, so I love that play. And I love that that's something y'all are like tracking really closely. I actually got someone in, in what was the conference that I hung out with you at? What was, which one was, was it? Sasser? Saster, yeah, I I had a few from uh and then from Saster from you, which is cool because it was I love Saster because we all got to, like all these people I've talked to online so many times we all got to meet that was that, that was, was awesome. awesome but it is cool to see nothing's better than an end to end play being like oh this this worked this makes sense yeah being able to have the 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 full pull through especially in real life no and you guys mentioned it so I'm interested um when we think about some predictions you mentioned Chat GPT and and some other ones but. Um, you know, kind of as you as you said now, maybe one or two different predictions you have for, um, you know, maybe maybe your company or the industry in general, um, where, where are you seeing things go? Maybe let's say um, in the next couple of years. Yeah, I can dive in off the chat, GBT. I mean, look, I've been I've been riding it high, right? It's been doing really well on my Twitter. It's what everyone's talking about, right? So I I think it's uh, a big thing is people are going to learn how to tell stories quicker um, and, and, and things that are going on. Because right now it's like, if you're not talking about chat GPT, you're almost getting drowned out in social because especially on at least Twitter and, and a lot of LinkedIn now too, and even Instagram is starting. Um, so I think it's, you know, that that's a big one. AI is going to be a big part. We can all try and fight it, but people do forget that AI is banned in Italy. I think Germany, France, China, you know, it's banned in Russia. It's banned in a lot of places right now. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that, but um, it's definitely making a bigger play. I mean, click up, we just released our AI, um, oh yeah, so I got to get you access, early access, but it's coming out to the public uh, in, in like early May. But we just or we're slowly releasing our AI, and it's 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 really smooth. I think a lot of the the small things we've done are going to be a lot quicker, and we can get more creative because now rather than to do the the nuances of a brief, 
um, you know, I can just go in and say, okay, start a mark, give me an outline for a marketing brief. And it's, it's already there. I mean, you can ask it for content ideas for the week. You can ask it for what's, what's already trending, what you want to do from there, how you can turn that back into click up. Um, so look as much as we, it's probably over said AI is here. It's not at least in, as long as we don't ban it, it's not going anywhere. It's super valuable. So I think the more people learn it, the better. And then the, the other thing I'll say is I think other brands will get smarter and start doing more value based the same way Zoe and are, even though I wish they won't because we're enjoying <laughs> the fruits of it right now. Yeah, I I would double click on. I can't believe I just said double click. That's so gross. I would also agree with you. Uh, AI people are are freaking out about it, and I don't say this to be unkind, but I say this like if you're worried that AI is going to take your job, you probably aren't very good at your job. Like AI is not going to replace a good employee. It will replace the like bottom 15 to 20% maybe eventually. But really what it is, is it's leverage. It's giving people more time. It's giving them more ideas. It's, it's just like multiplication of their efforts. And like, for me, it's as a one person marketing team, it's absolutely essential. It's saving my life right now to help me get four blog outlines done in a matter of minutes. And then I can go write the blog. Getting from zero to one is the hardest part. I can take it from one to a hundred in a matter of hours. Getting from zero to one, looking at a blank page is tough. And so AI is enormous. And I think more people are going to move that way. And I think people who are there now are early adopters. And I think everybody else is a little behind, but people will catch up. The other thing that I think is really interesting is I think there's going to be a convergence of go-to-market tools. I think you're going to see like four or five giant players. You're already watching it with like Salesforce. Um, I want to say Clary, Gong, Outreach. Like they're building out these suites of tools from end to end, from like start to finish of sales. Like they want to own the prospecting and the engagement and the follow-up. And like eventually you're just going to have like five or six super players where you're either like a Zoom info and their whole suite of products or you're an outreach and their whole suite of products or whatever. And I think eventually like marketing will do the same thing, all of that. So you're going to have these these super companies buying up littler companies and they're basically going to own everything from like start to finish of a go-to-market function. And instead of people being individual companies, you're going to have like, I, I think in seven years, we're going to have like a couple major players and that'll be like what you buy. No, I like both those. And um, the, a the AI wave is certainly there. Um, and then I'm, I'm curious for both of you because you guys obviously have a lot of experience, but when you think about maybe, you know, advice for people um, on kind of the, called the influencer side or the content side, right? Um, you know, maybe just talk about your own personal journeys um, into um, kind of creating some of this content, putting it out for the world, and then maybe some advice uh, for companies that are, call it, less innovative in that space um, on how to maybe get started, right? Because I think, as you just said with the blog, Zoe, getting started is the hardest part, keeping going is the hardest part. So maybe just describe your journey, um, get, getting into that and how individuals and companies can maybe follow suit. Yeah. I mean, like when you think about your marketing reach, like, first of all, I think about marketing in terms of like, I need to go where my prospects are already spending time for us. That's like LinkedIn, it's communities, it's like Twitter, whatever, wherever the places are. If, if I was a, a D to C company, I might be on Instagram. But since I'm a B2B, you know, like usually reaching RevOps people, they're really, really heavily active in communities. So that's where I'm spending my time and I'm creating content there and I'm adding value there. 
But like LinkedIn is another place. And for me, I couldn't get on LinkedIn and pretend for a second that I'm an expert in literally anything. I don't know how to do anything. I don't know why I'm here. But like I can get up there and talk about what I'm learning and I can talk about experience and I can talk about lessons in real time. And people find value in that because it's relatable and it's authentic and it's real. So I wouldn't say like people's biggest um, I would say hurdle is just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say on LinkedIn. And I'm just like, talk about your day, talk about your job, talk about your life, talk about what you're learning and think of it from a perspective of, does this make somebody better at their job? Does it make them feel something? If the answer is no to both of those questions, try again. But if it is yes to one of those, just like keep working at it. And eventually like you'll find your people, your people will find you. And then as you kind of scale, work with brands that you actually like. I can't tell you how many brands have reached out to me to be like, we'll pay you a thousand dollars to post about our product. And I'm like, I don't use your product. Can I try it? And they're like, well, we don't want to let you try it. I'm like, I'm not going to like preach about your product if I've never used it before. And then they let me try it. And I'm like, it's not very good. I'm not going to like, like talk about it. But like, I work with ClickUp, like they're, they're a company that I work with. I use that product. I manage my projects with ClickUp. And candidly, I'm going to say this right now, Chris, when I first started using ClickUp, I did not like it before we started working together. And then I used it for a while. And once I figured it out, I was like, I can't actually imagine my life without this tool. And so I think it's like, now I could create content on how to use ClickUp better at this point in the way that I use it. And so it's just like you have to create meaningful, authentic content. And so I think from like, Chris, you could probably speak more so from like managing influencers. But like, I think it's all about finding that real authentic relationship between an influencer and a product that actually makes sense uh, versus just being like, you have a huge audience. Can we borrow it? Like that kind of a thing. You know, I had to learn that, you know, because at the beginning, it's like, if you are a D2C brand, you can just be like, hey, you have a huge audience. Let me borrow, right? Like for a water bottle, surely you can do that and it'll probably drive some sales. But for ClickUp, no. So what I've learned is, you know, luckily you you learn the product, but I have to I have to take more time with each influencer now. So I've, I've hired consultants and luckily you've already learned the platform. But now for newer people who I want to bring on, what I'll do is rather than just be like, oh, you're, you know, you're going to use ClickUp and then you're going to talk about it. I just have them, I set them up for like two hours. Um, two different sessions. And I'm like, hey, um, consultant, this is what they do. This is what they're trying to get done. Like help help them build this, you know, help them help them create this in a, in a way that's so valuable for them. That's going to make their business and their their lives easier and they'll save time. Uh, so that's kind of what's what's really helping and, and moving forward now. And yeah, because a tool like ClickUp does take time to learn. Like, oh my God, I mean, I could imagine just, I've known it because I've been using it since day one, right? But for to just see it, there's a lot going on. And until you understand how to use it, but now we do have 3.0 coming out that is going to be a lot easier to start because that is the, that is like the common feedback we get. And we get that. But at the same time, we do have to appease. It's like, we want to appease the single user, but we also, we want Nike and Uber to continue using. So it's like, we have to, we have to do both. And we're really working at that. But back to the question, I think, look, I'm still trying to figure out my, my thing of content. I actually just had surgery on my throat and I couldn't talk for 10 days. So I had to get creative on how I would make content, you know? And so I used AI to to clone my voice from old podcasts I had done like this and did a video that way. I, but what the, the advice I have is just start making it. Like I remember sitting for like six months, be, like I'm around all the influence. So I get advice from everyone, right? And, you know, I was taking all this advice thinking there's gonna be some perfect pathway. There's not, like Zoe just started writing 
amazing stuff and people started relating to it. And her style is different than anyone else. That's why people like her writing. It's real. She's never ever selling anything. And she's usually sometimes just talking about something she went through. And that's what I'm trying to do through my days now, whether it be through a video or through written. Um, I kind of almost like to, to break news. It's my thing. It's, it's fun. So when there's a new release on ChatGPT, I, I like to speak about it. I like to explain it. I like to make it easy. I'm also from a small town. I still have this weird Southern accent that you hear. So I like to like let people know that they're, if they're from a small town, you can still be in jobs like these. And I want to explain it in a way that they can understand it. Cause I know what it's like to think, Oh, I have to have one of these jobs in this town because you know, this is where I was raised. This is what I do. But it's, it's not the case. You can learn anything. Um, and that's kind of my goal of content. And now the more I do that, I'm noticing more people are relating to me. And then same with the news, like breaking things early. You can, you can, you can go read it, but a lot of people don't love to watch the news and it takes time to read. They don't have time and they'd rather see me come in and make a joke about it and be funny and tell them about how chat GPT has evolved. And now it's GPT five now, and maybe seven next week. I'd also just add like, Chris is really good at this. Like what, like consume content consume a little bit of content and see what works and what doesn't like Chris has got like the choppy video, like very quick transitions down. I know a lot of people who start with video and they're, there's like too much pause between clips. There's too much, like they're not, you can tell they're not consuming content on the platform because they don't know how to edit their content or like people who get on LinkedIn for the very first time and they write like an enormous block of text. It's like, have you read a single LinkedIn post lately? Probably not. And I'm not saying you have to break it out line by line, word by word or anything like that, but like just spend a few minutes a day consuming content to get a feel for what, like the way the algorithms work, the the structure of posts and, and videos and things like that that do well, and then try it. Like Chris said, just like, just start. Don't over-rotate on the how. But like, I know some people who I'm like, you've, you've literally never watched a TikTok video a day in your life and you just put out a TikTok video and it does not look like a TikTok video. Like people get frustrated. They're like immediately discouraged. I'm like, just spend like five minutes a day on whatever platform you want to create on and get a feel for it and then start creating some content. Yeah, no, I really like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Chris, that this is your, your comeback tour, you know, step one on your comeback voice tour right here on this podcast. Uh, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're back here. Uh, I think also to interacting with content, right, is, 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 is the other one, because there's a lot of people that think and create and do all of what you just described, right? But even if you're not going to do that at all, you can still kind of build that network by, uh, you know, authentically, uh, in interacting with other people's content on whatever social media, uh, that you, that's your choice. Cause I think that's the other one is I remember when I was training some, some of the sales reps are like, yeah, I, I liked like five LinkedIn posts and you know, they didn't book a meeting with it. Some of my younger BDRs. And I'm like, well, yeah, like that's not, uh, <laughs> we had, we had disconnect, uh, between interacting with content and, uh, true interacting with content. And, uh, but you know, I'm sure that happens all, all, all the time. So, um, well, good. Well, final, final, I guess, and we've talked about it a lot, but I uh, would love for you guys to uh, cut a quick plug for your, for your company. I know we've been doing it throughout, but uh, where can people find you? Who do you guys you know, work with? And then uh, any final thoughts on uh, you know, sales, sales and marketing and helping, helping the two work together? I'll start with you, Zoe. Yeah. So a uh, quick plug for Swantide. We are the fastest, simplest, and absolute cheapest way for you to implement and then continuously manage your CRM. So if you're on Salesforce or HubSpot or you're about to be, give us a call. We can help you. We can get you set up in a matter of 
you know, days as opposed to like months. And we really augment the management of that. So you don't have to like bring on a full-time hire to manage your Salesforce or your HubSpot or your CRM. And that data is going to help you accelerate your revenue in a major way. So definitely give us a call. If we can't help you, we can at least be helpful. Um, and we'd love to chat. And then you can find me on LinkedIn, probably posting about ClickUp because I work with Chris. <laughs> yeah, but I need to talk to you about AI. It's coming up. So we'll, we'll chat about that later. Yeah, so she's easy to find. Zoe's so easy to find. You just type Zoe, she comes up. Um, yeah, I'm Chris Cunningham, man. ClickUp has, has been fun, and thank you for helping me plug it. We're project management software. Um, we're basically all your work in one place. In the morning, you wake up, you probably check your email, you probably check your tasks, your docs, your goals. You put it in one place, and now even your AI. Um, and we make it easy to use, and our goal is to save you a day a week. You can find me on most socials. Most everything is Cunningham. Um, yeah, that's, that's my brand, everything Cunningham. It's been fun, man. I really, really appreciate you having us on the podcast. It's yeah, great. thank you. I got to talk with Zoe. Good to catch up, too. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, when I brought you guys together, I did not know there was a connection there. So isn't it funny how the um, how, how the world world aligns? I just was trying to get, you know, because one of the one of the challenges I, I live in the digital health world and uh, we're slowly moving um, into the, uh, the the 21st century in terms of a lot of what you just described with this consumer <laughs> and marketing. And so um, sometimes a lot of, you know, prior to COVID, there was a lot of um, you know, archaic processes and just the day to day. And so overnight um, for good for the consumer, right? Things have changed. And um, so it's exciting to see, but uh, I was excited to bring you guys on because a lot of our listeners sometimes uh, can get and can get discouraged about the lack of movement or moving fast in healthcare and some of uh, you know some of that day to day. But uh, it's it's nice for you guys to be able to shed some perspective there. And I appreciate you guys having on the podcast. And uh, Chris, it's nice uh, full circle. I'm based out of Charlotte, so um, it's it's cool that some of the foundations of, of ClickUp actually has its roots here in, uh, in 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 the Charlotte area. So that's always fun that's to catch up on. Yeah, it all started there. Just four of us. That's awesome. We'll tell everybody, tell all the Charlotte folks uh, out there in California or wherever else, you know, I, I said hello. And uh, Zoe and Chris, thanks again for being on the podcast. Cheers. Thanks Thank for having us. So much.